If you have a Bible, turn over to uh, 1 Thessalonians. We're going to be reading from uh, Paul's letter to the church at Thessalonica. 1 Thessalonians 5, we're going to be looking at uh, verses 1 through 11. First Thessalonians, chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are, say, are saying peace and safety... Destruction will come on them suddenly, just as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you were doing. It's the Word of God for the people of God. Thank you. So I want to read you something real quick out of uh, the study Bible, or a one of the many study Bibles that I use. Um, and let me say this real quick, um, too. One of, the, one of the study Bibles I really encourage people to, to utilize is, is the Life Application Study Bible. If you're interested in owning one, if you don't own one, I notice that Crystal carries one too. Um, it's a great little study Bible. It's not excessively uh, scholarly or academic, but it's just chock full of, of good notes and, uh, and, and facts that, are, that really help you to apply the biblical text um, to your daily life. It's one that I, I, I particularly enjoy. But I want to read you something that uh, is in the Life Application Study Bible. And these are notes that, that appear at the uh, beginning of 1 Thessalonians. And it's kind of a story. It kind of opens up with a, with a story, with a narrative that kind of gives us some ideas of what the whole book of 1 Thessalonians is about. So I'm going to read it kind of slow because it's, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. This is how it starts. It's, Slowly they walk, one by one, scattering the leaves and trampling the grass under measured and heavy steps. The minister's words still echoing in their minds, they hear workmen moving toward the terrible place, preparing to cover the casket of their loved one. Death, the enemy, has torn the bonded relationships of family and friends, leaving only memories and tears and loneliness. But like a golden shaft of sun piercing the winter sky, a singular truth shatters the oppressive gloom. Death is not the end. Christ is the victor over death. And there is the hope of resurrection through him. And with every member of the human family, first century Christians came face to face with their mortality. Many of them met early deaths at the hands of those who hated Christ 
and allied with him, and all, and all who were allied with him. Whether at the hands of zealous Jews like Paul before his conversion, angry, angry Greeks, or ruthless Roman authorities, persecution included stonings, beatings, crucifixion, torture, and death. To be a follower of Christ meant to give up everything. So in that little, first part of that was a narrative. It was obviously a made-up story. In those little two pieces of, uh, of that introduction to 1 Thessalonians, it really sums up what the entire book is all about. It gives, you, it gives you the two themes. Number one is the assurance that we have is Christ in Christ's return. As believers, as disciples of Jesus Christ, one of the main things you're going to find, uh, especially in our scripture today from chapter 5, is the assurance that we have of Christ's return as believers. And also Paul's encouragement for us to continue in the faith through faithfulness, love, and hope, even through the darkest of times. Let me ask you this, because we're going we're gonna to talk about this. I really hadn't talked, I had not prepared initially to talk about the second coming of Christ. Uh, when I first prepared this sermon, now something happened over the last day or so that kind of encouraged me or poked me to, prompted me to, to talk a little bit more about it. Let me ask you this. And uh, yeah, everybody in here is older than I am. How many times? <laughs> How many times during your lifetime have you heard some prophecy about the end of the world, the apocalypse? How many times have you heard a very specific date? Don't give me a number. I don't think I don't think I'll give me a number. But it's a lot, isn't it? The two that I remember the most was the year two thousand. Everything was going to, that was the apocalypse, that was it. And then I believe it was 2010 with the Aztec calendar. 2012, that's what it was. It was 2012. Um, so we've all heard these prophecies. We've all heard, we've even heard Christians, supposed prophets, talk about Jesus was coming back on a certain day at a certain time. Let me ask you this how many of those have come to fruition? A big fat zero, right? Yeah. And Paul talks about that right here in these scriptures. And y'all and y'all have y'all have attended church for a long time. I know this isn't the first time y'all have heard these scriptures, and we know the answer to this, but I want to dive into it just, just a little bit more, just to repeat um, repeat it all again, because I think it's worth repeating. This is a hard sermon for me to prepare. This is a very difficult sermon for me to do because it's out of my it's out of my comfort zone. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that later. But the whole second coming of Christ is not something that I tend to concentrate on. It's not something that I, that I study a whole lot about. It's not something that I get into for various reasons. And again, I'll explain that in a little bit. So it took me some effort. It took me some effort to, uh, to get into this, for one thing. Um, but that's what God does. A lot of times he'll, he'll point me towards scriptures that, 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 that make me uncomfortable. Uh, he'll point me towards scriptures that I don't know a whole lot about so that, I, so that I do that, so that I do dive into it and that I learn and I allow him to speak to me and through his, through his scriptures. One thing I do want to point out to you in the very first verse, I think it was. I got to do this today. Yeah. It's in verse 2. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. I want to explain or tell you something about that phrase, the day of the Lord. Uh, Crystal, you were at Broxton last week and we talked about that term. And uh, the day of the Lord has multiple meanings in Scripture. 
when we discussed it last week at Broxton from the book of Amos, it had a particular meaning that is not the meaning that you find when Paul writes about it here in 1 Thessalonians. The day of the Lord had, had a different context for the folks that it was spoken to for Israel when Amos spoke those words and prophesied those words. Clearly, they didn't know anything about Jesus Christ at the time, so there was no understanding of a second coming of Christ. Now, in these words, when we get to the New Testament, Paul, yes, this is exactly what, what we're talking about. We're talking about the second coming. Um, I found a video that, that discusses that and goes into it in great, great, great and easy detail. And uh, it was so interesting to me, I thought, I, I put it on our Broxton uh, Facebook page. So if you want to take a look at it, it's only about four minutes long, and it gives a great explanation of what that phrase means throughout the Scripture. But you can always tell it's getting close to Advent. You can always tell Advent's just around the corner when we start talking about the second coming of Christ. We start, start talking about um, Christ's return. Uh, you know that Advent is, is just, just around the corner. Which Paul addresses um, at the beginning of today's scripture. Uh, and it's definitely worth noting a few things that Paul advises the church that, that apply to us today as far as the second coming is concerning. Um, just like today, we're concerned with mortality. Paul, the people, the church at Thessalonica was were concerned about the mortality. As I mentioned to you in that uh, reading from the Life Application Study Bible, clearly these are folks who were under oppression. And I don't mean the kind of oppression that, that, that we claim to be under in the United States. That doesn't even come close to touching it. This was real oppression. This was people getting killed. This was people getting killed at the hands of, of uh, not folks who were far off, by the way, but getting killed at the hands of their neighbors for no other reason than the fact that they were Christ's followers. That's it. So certainly they were concerned about their own mortality. They were also concerned about the mortality, uh, the, uh, what, was, what was happening to the people, to their friends, to their brothers and sisters in Christ who were also dying at that time. What, what was happening to them or what was going to them? So these were big questions on their mind. As they face very real, very, uh, very real persecution, um, and of course that applies to us today. We're all concerned about our mortality to one degree or another. I think as we get older, as I get older, I get I get more concerned about it myself. Even though I know the answer to it, I know what's going to happen. I'm, of course, of course, I get I get concerned. I get concerned every time that I attend a funeral. I get turned, concerned every time a friend of mine passes away or somebody that I know passes away. So we're all concerned about that. And, uh, you know, I'm reminded, again, with every year, as my body fails me a little bit more and more. Uh, so in the verses that are preceding the ones that we're looking at today, we're not, I won't tell, uh, go into great detail about that. But in the verses that precede chapter 5, Paul assures the believers at Thessalonica that the return of, of the return of Christ and the eventual reunion of all believers. That is our ultimate hope. As the church, it was just as it was their ultimate hope 2,000 years ago. It remains our ultimate hope today, and it's going to happen at some point. It is that eventual union that we're going to have with Jesus Christ and all believers before us. Now, here's the elephant in the room that I want to hit on. Early believers thought that Christ would return very soon. Early believers thought that Christ was going to come back any day. Now, obviously, that did not happen. And it has been that way ever since. It's been that way ever since throughout the centuries with many believing that Christ would return during our lifetime, which is why I asked you guys that question in the beginning. Many people have truly believed, and, that, and I'm, I'm not just talking about the crazies, 
<laughs> People have truly believed for good reason that Christ was going to return within their lifetime. And it just didn't happen. But Paul addresses that too today. He addresses that in our, in our verses. And the same thing that he told the church back then applies to the church today. The words of Paul in today's scripture tell us really in no uncertain terms that nobody knows. That nobody knows when Christ will return. That's when I hear, that, that is precisely why when I hear a prophecy that says such, I know immediately that it is absolute nonsense. I know immediately that it's absolute nonsense because scripture tells me right here. And I suspect you all, everybody in this room has heard this before. We all know this. Nobody knows when Christ is going to return. And that's what Paul says. He, said, he writes, regarding, regarding the dates and the times, we do not need to write you. In fact, it tells us that everybody, including believers, are going to be surprised by it. Even we'll be surprised when Jesus returns, if we're still here. It's going to happen suddenly. It's going to happen unexpectedly. Like a thief in the night, the scriptures say today. Uh, like the onset of labor pains. Ladies, I'm sorry, I don't know what that feels like, but I suspect, it's really, I suspect it's really quick and really bad. That's how it's going to come. Nobody knows, and it's going to come like that, unexpectedly. We're reminded also that this is going to be a time of both, bless, of both blessing and judgment when Christ is going to set up his eternal kingdom. This is our hope. And this is our certainty right here. The idea, this is why, this is why the, the whole idea of Jesus coming back doesn't scare me. And I hope that it doesn't scare y'all because I know the end of the story. Christ is coming back to restore the kingdom that he intended in the first place. He is coming to create a new heaven and new earth and bring them together in this perfect, perfect kingdom that he intended from the get-go. There is no hatred. There is no division. There is no prejudice. All this stuff that we're talking about these days. It's the culmination of God's kingdom that was initiated with the birth of Jesus Christ, by the way. Y'all know y'all heard me talk about that before. Jesus initiated the kingdom of God's coming on earth. We are in the, the, the space right now. Uh, but, uh, we are in the middle of it, but not yet. That's kind of what I, how I like to think of it. We are in the middle of of, of, God's, of God's kingdom coming, but it's not here yet. It was initiated through Christ. We are, we are called and we are, we are commissioned to be a part of it and, and, to, and to live God's kingdom out on earth. That's why we pray again on earth as it is in heaven. But the end, the coming of Christ is the culmination of all that. When everything just kind of joins together, everything starts, everything fits. So that's my hope and, and that's the hope of the church. So what more do we need to know about the second coming? I think Paul says it right here again in these scriptures. And here's my basic interpretation. What else do we know, need to know about the second coming of Jesus Christ? My opinion is absolutely nothing. And that's why I don't concentrate on it a whole lot. Because I think Paul tells us exactly that right here in the scriptures. Don't speculate and don't waste your time thinking too deeply about these matters. And I think a lot of folks have done just that. I know in the end what happens. We all know in the end what happens. That's why I don't spend a whole lot of time on the specifics. I don't think anybody, you know my opinion, I don't think anybody knows. 
The more specific people get about the coming of Christ, the more specific people get, the less I trust them. As far as their biblical interpretation goes. And, 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 and things of, it's called eschatology. That's the big word that the academics use. It's the study of the return of Christ. It's the study of the, the apocalypse, if you will. The more specific people get about these, about these details, the less I believe them and the less I trust them. Because I don't think anybody knows. And I don't want to know. I don't need to know. I have no need for that, church. I think it's a waste of time. And I think Paul tells us today it is a waste of time to think about this stuff. We know, again, what happens. This is what you need to know. You don't know when it's happening. When it does happen, it's going to happen like that. And at the end of the day, it's going to be a beautiful culmination of God's kingdom coming on earth. So instead, for followers of Jesus, we continue to live out our lives through faith, through love, faithfulness, and the hope in the simple knowledge that this life is not the end of the story. This life is not the end of the story. Paul reminds the church in verse 4 that they are not in darkness. What does that mean, in darkness? In darkness basically means to live a life that's dominated by sin. We don't live that life any longer. It's commonly associated with sin in the Old Testament. So what's the opposite of darkness? Light. So Paul calls us, calls this church to live into that light as redeemed followers of Jesus Christ. To be that light. He exhorts the church to remain faithful to Christ and to the Christian community. Even under trying circumstances again. Which honestly makes anything that we may be going through kind of seem minuscule and trivial to me today. Because these folks certainly knew what it, what it meant to live out faith, hope, and love in some trying circumstances. He writes, so let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and let us be sober. Let us not be like those who are asleep, those who are stuck in sin and without Christ. To be awake means to be spiritually and morally alert and vigilant. To be sober in this verse is a figurative language that means to exercise self-control, by the way. Y'all may recognize the imagery that Paul gives us in verse 8. Put on the breastplate, the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of hope and salvation. You probably have recognized that Paul uses these military metaphors pretty frequently. There's another scripture where, where Paul uses the idea of putting on armor um, in the areas of love, faithfulness, those types of things. Did you recognize something else in there about love, hope, and faithfulness? That's kind of like Paul's great trifecta. Paul's great trilogy of Christian application. Everybody in here, I know Crystal and Carol, Diane, I'm sure Lois, are very familiar with 1 Corinthians 13. Y'all remember that mention in there? Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. That's what he calls us to do during this time. Don't worry about things that are coming. Don't worry about that. God's got that. While you're here, live in the light, specifically through love, hope, and faith. The church is given the assurance that we are not destined for wrath. At the conclusion of these verses, we're not destined for wrath, but we are destined through salvation through Jesus Christ, that we may one day live together with him. 
That's the hope of the church. That is the hope of our future. Three things I want to drive home to you about these scriptures very quickly. And it's basically just a repetition of what I've already said. Number one, don't speculate and don't worry. Don't speculate and don't worry. When we start considering these things, especially during Advent, sure, it's okay to talk about them. But don't speculate when it might happen. Don't try to, to, to rack your brains trying to figure this stuff out. That's not our calling. We just, we just know that it's going to happen. We know, we know that we have nothing to worry about because we know the end of the story. Number two, live as if Jesus was coming today. And that's what Paul's talking about in those scriptures. Live that faith out, man. Faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. Be the light against the darkness. That's how we live our lives. Live as if Jesus was coming today. And number three, something you probably are not expecting. But I'm going to draw this out of these verses because I see this as a call also to evangelism. I see these verses as a call to tell others about Jesus Christ. I'll tell you a story that I'm going to wrap up. Do we really believe what we say we believe regarding the afterlife? Do we really believe what we claim to believe regarding what happens when we pass away? What happens when Jesus does come back? Is there, when that happens, is there ultimate judgment? When we claim Christ as Lord, do we believe that that offers us in the afterlife a presence with God? That when we do pass away that we are, we are rejoined with God, or if not, we experience in eternity being separated from Him. Do we really believe that? And again, this applies to the second coming. Do we really believe in the second coming and this ultimate judgment that we talk about? <clears throat> Have anybody, has anybody ever heard of the comedy duo Penn and Teller? Lois is nodding her head. Crystal mm -hmm. is. They were a big, they're, they're st they still do their show. They still, they still do, their, do, do, their, do, do their comedy show out in Vegas, I believe. But they were huge. They were huge in the 90s and the early 2000s. Well, one half of Penn & Teller's name is Penn Gillette. And one of, one of the things that Penn Gillette is known very, very well for is his atheism. He's a very devout and very outspoken atheist. Well, a number of years ago, he put a video up, and this isn't, by the way, this isn't urban legend. I've, I've actually seen the video. If you want to pull it up, you go to YouTube, you can pull it up yourself and watch it. But he did a video, and he told a story about a time that he had, uh, he had done one of his shows. And, again, it's very, very well known. Uh, he, he makes his, his atheism and, and his skepticism very well known. He talks about it very frequently. But after one of his shows, he says a guy came up to him, and he handed him a Bible. And he basically said something to the effect, I know you don't believe this, but I just felt like God was telling me to, to give this to you. Gillette wasn't mean to him or anything. He told him thank you and they moved on. But what he said about that incident was this. He said, I appreciated that guy coming up to me. He said, I appreciate that even though I don't believe it. I appreciated that guy coming up to me. Because I appreciate people who evangelize. I appreciate people who tell others about their faith. 
And that's not the exact word that he used. Um, I, I can't think of the exact word. <laughs> but I appreciated that. And here's the, here's, here's the driving home point of what he said. Now remember, this is coming from the mouth of a very professed atheist. He said, you know, proselytize. That's the word that he used, proselytize, evangelize. Tell other people about your faith, same thing. <clears throat> but this was the driving home point. This is the one that should kick us right, right in the heart. He said, if you believe there is an afterlife, if you believe there is literally a heaven and a hell, if you really, truly believe that there is an ultimate judgment where people are separated from God, how much do you have to hate somebody not to tell them about it? If you really believe that is the ultimate end all of end alls, how much do you have to hate somebody not to tell them? Now that kicks me right in the throat. And that's something that I get out of these verses as well. Because, yeah, we do believe this. I believe it all day long. I believe there is ultimate judgment. I believe there's a second coming of Christ. It's historical Christianity. And these verses call me to that. They remind me of that story. And they call me uh, to tell people about my faith. Not because I'm trying to shove it down their throat, but because I love them. And I, because I believe what I say is real. And I don't want to see anybody, anybody suffer that. Y'all pray with me. Merciful Father, we thank you for this day, God. We thank you, as always, for the privilege that we have to, uh, to just join together as, as the body of believers in your house. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the words of the Apostle Paul. God, we're very aware that, that you will return one day. We're very aware. We are very hopeful of the coming and the culmination of your beautiful kingdom here on earth. Help us, Heavenly Father. Help us with what years we have remaining on this earth to live those years in, in devotion to you. Help us to be that light in a world of darkness. Help us to share our faith in the gospel with others. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we plead, pray, and ask these things. Amen.